my cup. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold, and this week we have part two of my live interview, live in-person interview with Jeannie Yashere at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, Montreal, which was so much fun, and I, I love her, and I love... I, it's it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it. Just some notes before we go into that interview. Notes like we're in a class. Uh, before we go into that interview, just want you to know, uh, I am in Provincetown, still loving it. I am here till September third at the post office, cafe and cabaret, and I am here Sundays and Tuesdays at eight thirty and Thursdays at seven. So. That's that if you're on the Cape and if you're taking a last minute uh, little uh, trip to the Cape, come see me because I'm really funny. (laughs) Also, uh, I want you to know that a lot of shit happened this week. A lot of shit. I played in the mixed doubles tournament with my friend Chris Nagel at the Provincetown Tennis Club. And we never played. We have never played together period. And we signed up together and we signed up to have fun. And we did because we both have similar senses of humor. But I have to tell you, these tournaments, these people take this shit so seriously. You know, we love playing like playing, but then there were people we're playing with who all they want to do is win. I get it. I get all you want to do is win. But like, have fun. Like, you know that I have a bad knee and I'm not going to get the lob over my head. So why do you just keep doing it just to end the game? It's just, I don't know. It's just boring. Whatever. But I love the game of tennis. I love tennis. Oh, by the way, I have terrible sciatica. I had a groin injury. This is what happened. So I took a tennis lesson with Jenny Byrne, who's fucking amazing and we were working on footwork and of course I need my knee replaced really badly so we're doing the footwork and then at one point my knee like snaps and I'm like okay well that happens a lot with my little patella femoral issue and then I you know I rub it and then I continue playing and then it snaps again and I'm like oh shut the fuck up and I just keep playing because I like to ignore shit and then um, I came home. I iced it. I noticed that it was, you know, reacting to the snap. And I was really good all week. I iced it. I stretched. I ice heat, ice heat. Um, I did all the right stuff. I know all this stuff because I've had knee problems my entire life. I've been in PT so much. I know what to do. I And... Then, but I've never had this. So then I have, I've recently gotten sciatica, which is so fucking annoying. And it shoots up your leg and into your ass must, you know, mine does. It goes all the way up and then it goes into my ass glute fucking muscle. Okay. This never happened. It went and transferred to my groin. Okay. What the fuck? I've never had a groin injury. What a pain in the fuck. I would say a pain in the ass, but it's a pain in the fucking twat. I mean, it's horrible. 
I couldn't bend down. It's like, it's hard to cross your legs. It's like really, ugh, it was so annoying. So then I was, you know, icing and heating and heating and heating and doing stretches. And everyone's like, don't do stretches because it's uh, whatever. So the point is that I worked out my groin muscle and it was feeling good for the tournament. And then that night after playing three hours of tennis, because it's three matches, uh, about an hour each, we're going out to dinner and I turn. I literally just turned my body and all of a sudden I felt this like Ning! in my ass and now my sciatica's back. So fuck it, fuck being old and fuck. And I have to get my knee replaced. So that 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 is my really fantastic story. And I'm sure like so many people can relate because every time you say you have like sciatica or a knee problem, everyone has to tell you who their doctor is and what you're supposed to do for it and blah, 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 blah. So that was that. What else happened this week? In the news, I don't even care. I'm at the point where I don't care. Okay. And I feel like all I do is put on, if I put on the news, which I haven't been doing, I've been reading instead, it's just all the same Trump shit. He just keeps getting indicted. And now Fawny Willis has even more information. And it's just like, when the fuck is this guy going to go to fucking jail? He's such a piece of shit. Okay? I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I just can't. I don't know. I just don't know. Um, Pence is an asshole. He's like, how people vote for these people? I, I don't get it. I do not like Chris Christie because I think he's an asshole, but I do like what he's, you know, that he actually, you, you can't be from New Jersey and not fight a good fight. And I like that he's saying shit about um, Trump that he knows because he worked with them. So whatever. The writer strike is still going. sag after is still going. And I, I am in solidarity with them. It's not fair. And these fucking people you know, they make billions of dollars and the creatives are treated like shit and it's not right. Okay. That's that. I want to send out a past podcast guest and all incredible human Liz Winstead, who's fighting the fight for abortion rights has dedicated her life to this. Uh, you know how the, like the, the, um, the right always has their messaging like pro-life and it sounds positive, but we're fucking assholes and hypocrites. Well, she's calling them forced birth and we got to start using that. We have to use the term instead of them saying pro-life, they are forced birth. They are for forced birth. That is what they are for forced birth. And we got to start changing the messaging people because otherwise those assholes are going to win the election, even though I don't really believe that deep down, but everyone keeps telling me that. So, and the other final thing that I love that I'm going to tell you before we get to Gina is that Zoom, the company Zoom, the Zoom that you use for your meetings is making their employees go into the office. Okay. So how fucking I don't even have to write a joke about that because that is a fucking joke okay so that's that I love you all and um I'm I know you're going to enjoy this episode because I enjoyed it so much what an interesting life Gina's had so sit back relax and enjoy part two of my interview with Gina Yashere.
Okay, so you do that until you're 24, is that yeah, correct? Yeah, 23, 24, yeah. Um, and you decide you want to go into sketch comedy. <laughs> is that correct? Or I didn't quite decide I wanted to go into sketch comedy. So I left that job. I, I was in it for four years. I left you know, that job. You were funny. Did you? I mean, no, you know, I always did knew you have I was this funny. burning desire. Or? No, I had no burning desire to do comedy because I had no idea that I could. Right. My mother had drummed it into my head my entire life that I had to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, accountant. So there was no, not even an inkling of an idea that I could do right. something like this for a living. No idea whatsoever. Uh, I left Otis after four years. And it was in that interim I was sort of doing stuff within the because I was so angry at white people after I left Otis. Well, obviously. So, you know, I, I went through, I joined the Nation of Islam for 12 minutes. I did all the things. And uh, at one point I was doing stuff within the community, helping stuff, doing like fundraising stuff within the black community. And there was a fundraiser and they were like, we need singers, dancers, poets. And me and a couple of friends of mine were always messing around doing our mum's accents and pretending to be our parents. So I wrote what I thought was a play to perform a play and I wrote this play that we performed and it turned out it wasn't a play it was a comedy sketch people pissed themselves laughing throughout the whole thing and I was like oh I like this I'm funny I've always been funny at right. school I was the class clown but I was like but that so was for my friends your first experience with getting laughter was uh something that you wrote just for yourself or for other people as it, well? It was just me and my friends, and I was like, let's perform this on the fundraiser because they need stuff to fill in this show. So you, your first laugh was not as a stand-up, which is... No. But it must have felt like... It, it felt great, and I was like... I'd always been making people laugh all right. my life at school and my friends right. and stuff. So I'd always crave laughter, and I used comedy to stave off... Um, confrontation. Of course, it's so, a coping mechanism. So yeah. when people used to come at me, I spent my whole first few years at school beating people up, fighting all the right. time. And then I discovered comedy that I could make people laugh and if they were laughing, they weren't wanting to fight me. Right. And I wasn't going to keep getting thrown out of class and thrown out of school because I kept fighting. So I used comedy for a long time. So I was Do using you think comedy is, is a more powerful weapon Absolutely. than the... Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So I didn't. So I was a comedian before I knew I was a comedian. So I wrote this thing that was a play. We performed it. I got audiences were laughing. Now, yeah. you know, not just my friends. These are audiences of strangers laughing. And so we kept performing that one sketch at talent quests and talent competitions, and we kept winning. And then one day, the other two girls in my little crew did not turn up for a competition and uh so i was like well i'm on my own and they were like well do you want to go up on stage because if you don't you're you you're you're out of this competition so i went up on stage and just kind of did versions of the thing by myself right. and just and people laughed and loved it and we got through to the final wow. based on my performance and then people were coming up to me and you don't need those other two girls you're a stand-up and i was like stand-up what is this and that's how i discovered stand-up crazy yeah <laughs> so you you do stand up but you get book you, you get successful i mean you're booked on this uh show you're a regular character on the show they keep asking you to do this nigerian accent <laughs> um you are are constantly you're putting you know you're working yep. all the time writing yep. and doing all this stuff and you do achieve a really decent amount of fame in yes. the UK. I do. And at this point, is your mother like still like 
I want you to be an engineer. Or Once I got, I got, my mother came round within six months. So at first she was like, what is this comedy? You're leaving engineering to become a clown. This is nonsense. But then I got on this TV show within six months of starting comedy. I got on a talent show, which was hosted by a guy called Jonathan Ross, who was, ba- who was basically our Jay Leno. Right. So once my mum saw me, and then my mum came to the... She didn't come to the first time I was on the show. She only came when I got through to the final. She's like, I'm not coming if you're going to lose. (laughs) 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 So the first time I appeared on the show, she watched it at home. But once I got through to the final of this, then she came. And from that moment on, she's like, my daughter is on TV in front of millions of people. Uh, there must be something to this. That I love that. Yeah. And, and then you get a recurring role on the Lenny Henry show. Yes. Well, it was a sketch show. And I got brought in as a writer and I wrote right. myself into the sketch show. Right. Which we will get to because that happens yet again yes. in your career. And you are... You get into the comedy clubs and you're selling out. I mean, you're really I'm doing well. Really doing well. I'm doing well. And again, you're dealing with racism yes. in these clubs. Absolutely. Um, I struggled to get bookings at these clubs. It took a very long time to get these bookings. And then I'd get, you know, I'd have my white counterparts who are open for me at these clubs going on to get other stuff. And I'm like, well, can I? And I, it, it was a struggle, constant struggle. Uh, Can I just interject? Yes. I just want you to know, my manager's here so he can verify this. (laughs) You know who used to be my opening act when I headlined at Caroline's? Jim Gaffigan. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I get it. You see this. Yep. You see this trajectory and you're like, wait, what? Oh, you're going over there? Okay. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, But the racism is... I, I just, I mean, it's just this ongoing theme in your life. So you're in these clubs yeah. and these guys are getting this, this, you know, great work yeah. and you're frustrated. Yeah. And then this is, this, this really got me. You had been vying for your own, ske- to host your own sketch show. Yes. For all these years. Yep. And they give it to another black woman yeah so basically my agent at the time was like play the game whatever shows they ask you to come on for no money just go on play the game just be you know just be relatable just be non-threatening so I'd go and I'd do all these shows and they dangle all these carrots if you come and do this show so basically you know they were like we prefer to just book white male comics for everything but just to make it look good we have to put at least one woman or one black person on so i became that person that they put on all their shows i'd be the guest on all these different shows with all these white male comics and so when they got um criticized they'd be like yeah but we've got gina we've got gina right and i didn't like being that person that they used in that way but my agent at the time was like just do it just take it just take it play the game play the game and then eventually they'll give you your own show because you played the game and you played nice so I did that for years and then when it came to the time when they were like right and I was like okay I want my own sketch show now it's time I've been doing this I've I've been on other people's sketch shows I've done all the things you can see that I'm constantly consistently good another younger black Nigerian woman was coming through at the time because there's only room for one. It's like a nightclub policy. One in, one out. She'd come up behind me and was a sort of a younger, more feminine, prettier version of me. Because I'm like, if you look at me, I'm not the most, you know. And so I she, think you're hot. <laughs> you're a lesbian, Judy. You're um, a lesbian. Oh, um, 
I guess no, I was just you, young, Like I couldn't get on Comedy Central for years because right. I didn't fit their demo. Because sixteen young white men, sixteen to thirty-four, are not going to be masturbating to this. So this is what I've always come up against. So yeah, they basically they'd been dangling this sketch show in front of me for years, and then they gave it oh. to this woman. And I didn't want to be angry at her. Yeah, because, I love that you. I I read yeah. this about you. You're like, I don't want to be jealous. Yeah, I. D but. But it, it's the system. They did it to us. Like, yeah. when I was going coming up in the 80s and the 90s, like, they would never put more than one woman on a show. Yeah. We went on the road. It was uh, one woman living yeah. in a fucking condo yeah. with these other guys. Like, yeah. we never got to work together. But this was so blatantly in your... Another oh. night... I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, How did you deal with that fucking... I would have been like... It tore it, my soul apart. It was really hard because it was like, I've been doing this all these years, playing the game, and my turn finally comes. Right. And it was like being passed over for promotion. Right. That's what it felt like, that you've been in a job and you've been working and doing all the things, and then they come and they just give it to this new Another kid. Another night? It's yeah, just crazy. It Do was you, horrible. Did you, have you ever talked to her or... Oh, she knew. And then what it is, they set us up against each other. Of course. I tried not to be that way with other black comics and other women comics. I tried not, I tried to be friendly with people. But there was always that. We were like crabs in a barrel, just right. fighting for the crumbs. So even though I wasn't in any way negative towards her, she always kept her distance from me. Because she was like, I'm the chosen one. I'm not going to... Why am I... I mean, she had to know deep down inside oh, she, I, that you listen, paved the way for her. The bitch was doing some of my jokes. Oh she my fucking God, knew. I hate her! Fuck her! <laughs> that, <God>. All right. <laughs> hey, everyone. You know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which... Yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So 
What are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero. Okay. Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50 to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you have had it and you move, you yeah. go to Sydney. You get is did you go to Sydney to go on Last Comic Standing before yeah. you moved to New York? So what happened? I'd been dreaming of coming to America since the age of four, uh, because I thought your toys and candies were better. So since right. childhood, I've always wanted to come to America. So when I started doing comedy, I was like, well, America is the home of comedy. So I always knew I was That's coming where you to were America. Going, yeah. Whenever I came, uh, when I was doing comedy, I'd come out to New York on vacation and just go around the clubs and just go up and just try and do sets. So I knew I was going to come to America. And Last Comic Standing was the opportunity for me. I didn't, I'd never even heard of the show because it wasn't on in England. But I was doing it here at the Just For Last Men, uh, Festival in 2006. And you came as a British comedian. I came as a British comedian with the British contingent. And I remember doing a show called the Uptown Comedy Show. And it was all black comics from America. And they threw me on the show. Well, they would never say that now. I mean, they changed the name of the ethnic show exactly. to the culture show. But it was the Uptown, yeah. it was the uptown, uptown show. But it was all black comics. Yeah. And one comedian, her name was Ros G, uh, they brought her up and they were, they were like, Ros G from Last Comic Standing. And I was like, what is this show? So I looked it up, I Googled it. And it was like, oh, it's like, it's like an American Idol for comedians. So I immediately emailed my agent in, in England and I was like, there's this TV show out here called Last Comic Standing. I want to be the first and only British comedian to compete. I don't, they don't need to pay me, I'll fly myself out. Just let me compete on the show. Unbeknownst to me, uh, Paige Hurwitz. I don't know yes, if you know Paige, Paige. Who? Very Jewish. Yes, I'm staying at her house. Uh, Paige um, Hurwitz uh, was a producer on Last Comic yes. Standing, and she'd been in London a, a few months before and had seen me crush at the comedy store in London and had already gone back and gone, there's this woman called Gina Asheray. She needs to be on the show. So the universe was turning. And, they, and that was the first year they decided to go internationally and find comedians from all over the world. I happened to be in Sydney, Australia on tour when they came to Sydney. So I auditioned there oh, perfect. and got onto the show there. So for the first three years I was in America, everybody thought I was Australian anyway, because I'd come through Sydney. And that got me a work visa to work in America. And they got me a two-year work visa. So I went back to England during, during the gap in filming, put my house on the market, sold and gave away everything I owned, threw a big party and said, I'm going to America. And people were like, you're crazy. You've only got a visa. You're going you're gonna to have to come back. And I was like, trust me, I'm never fucking coming back to this godforsaken place. <laughs> wow. And did, what did your mother say? Uh, she was not happy that I was leaving because right. all she'd seen of America is guns and murder. Mm -hmm. She was like, they will kill you there. And I'm like, it's okay, mom. I'm, I'll be fine. So, you know, as she left, she was like, okay, be careful. You know, you have an elderly mother. That was her last words oh, to me. God. Like, you have an elderly mother. Times a thousand. <laughs> You're the first Brit on Deaf Comedy Jam? The only Brit on Deaf Comedy really? Jam. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, you operated a psychic booth? 
in 2009. <laughs> on the Jay Leno show. On the Jay Leno was, show. Yes. And would you write the... Um, I'd write all of it, yes. Yeah. And you you work consistently. The comparison between the racism... Like, when do you realize, you know, the racist in the United States as well, but when did you sort of understand the difference is between the, the racism in the United States versus the racism in the UK? I mean, I've always known it because we had all your movies. Right. I read your books. We knew all your historical figures. So I knew way more about America before I got here. So people go, was it a culture shock moving to the States? And I'm like, no, <laughs> because I knew everything about you before I came because we've, we've consumed all of your movies, TV, everything, right. you know? So I knew the difference between the racism here. You know, I had a slightly different experience because as a black person from England in America, I'd get profiled by the police in America. But then as soon as I opened my mouth and they'd hear the accent, they'd be like, oh, she's royalty. Yeah, they'd be like, yeah. oh, you're, you're, you're not one of our blacks. Right. Like, it confused the fuck out of them. Wow. Yeah. Do, you, do you think there's a vast difference between the kind of racism? I mean... The racism in the UK is is so much older than. Oh, there is no difference. The English are just smarter at it, uh, you know. Because but, they, but it's a construct in the United States. They, yes, they created it. No, yeah. the Brits created it. Right, I'm saying we brought we are newer at it. Yes, and really dumb, yeah. you know. The Brits, are, I say the European, this is, how, this is the analogy I use. Uh, when it comes to slavery, Americans did the equivalent of stealing people's things and, and keeping it in their own home. Whereas the Brits did it the other way. They stole shit and kept it in somebody else's house. Right. So Americans stole black people from Africa, but brought it to America on American soil in full view of American society. So black people's history in America is intertwined with the whole making of the country. Making of the, of of the, the country. country. And you know, fuck Ron to fucking Santa. Exactly. Who's saying they had skills. They was, had those skills was, before had, they, they came They had the skills. They just fucking stole it from and us. And then, you t then they, we took them. Exactly. Exactly. And had them build, the, I know. It's exactly. so infuriating. Well, what the okay, Brits sorry. did, what yeah. the Brits did was they stole black people from Africa, but didn't bring them to England. Right. They put them on colonies in the Caribbean. You've got Jamaica and Barbados. Right. And the Belgians did it. The Dutch did it. This is why you've got African countries that speak French. And, because and, and it also, you talked about before, the racism among the black communities, that, yes. that they had created this situation. Well, it's, yeah. it's not racism. It is basically self-hate. Yeah. I wouldn't call it racism. That racism can only be perpetuated by white people who've created it. Right. But the, the hatred of black people, we were taught to hate each other. From the darker-skinned black people had to work in the fields and the lighter-skinned people got to work in the and the closer, the, pro, the, the, the proximity to whiteness, the lighter your skin was, the straighter your hair was, your proximity to whiteness afforded you more privilege. This is stuff that has been bred into us for hundreds of years, and it's even now. You know, there is still a preference for lighter-skinned black people. In Hollywood, black women who tend to do well are women that look like Halle Berry, the right. proximity to whiteness. So this is a thing that is... 
even people go, oh, move on. It's over. It's in the past. It's not in the past. Oh, please. Are you? It's not in no. the past. It's Hello? in our present. It's in our faces. The fact that they're trying to turn the clock back and trying to tell black people that slavery was beneficial for oh, us. Oh, God, I can't. It's fucking laughable if it wasn't so obscene, you know? It's disgusting. Okay. Okay, so you're very successful. You you get on Showtime. I do to, all right. Uh, I didn't get on Showtime. You, uh, I made you had my an own hour special, special on Showtime. I made my own special. Showtime did not give me a special. Right. None of them would give me a special. So I rented a theater. I sold the tickets. I pounded the pavement, giving out flyers. I filled up that theater. I booked my own film crew. Right. I shot my own special. I edited my own special. And then I gave it to my manager, Jody Lieberman. Hello, Jody. Yay, Jody Lieberman. Jewish, Jewish. Wow, that's so unusual. And you Jody took Jewish it to Showtime and Showtime show got it. So they didn't give me a special. Right. And this became... This has since become the model now, unless yeah. you're. You I was know, doing it before white... Louis Souquet right. did it. I was doing it before. Yes, but he was a white dude, and he got a lot more. But I did it several years before yes. he did it and monetized. Yes, it. many years ago, you become the British correspondent for the Daily Show. I say that they use me three fucking times in a year. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I was being cock blocked by somebody within the show who didn't really want me on the show. They had their way of doing things and I was not it. Because I was on the show because Trevor and myself had been meeting all over the world doing shows and we bonded on being outsiders in America. So it was him that called me directly and said, I'd like you to come and be, do some work on my show. They didn't want me. So when I came on the show, it was a struggle getting my stories on the show. So I was on the show for a year, but they only used me three times. Wow. And that was because the producers didn't actually want me. So fucking unbelievable. <laughs> you did not come out of Le Closet. Le Closet. Le Amour. Until Le Amour. Until you moved to the United States. That's right. And you said that you then became an open book. And your comedy got better. Absolutely. Let's return to your mother finding out <laughs> that I, your, her daughter's a lesbo. Um, I told her years ago before I came to America. So she should, I think she knew deep down in her soul. I'll tell you why. I'm a mother, you know. You know. And I've wanted my kids to be gay, and it's not worked at all. <laughs> They're both fucking straight. <laughs> and I am going to be laying in urine and feces at the Hebrew home for the aged um, <laughs> with chin hair. But yeah, okay, I came out of the womb wearing a tool belt. Like I... <laughs> Hebrew home, I forgot. Sorry. Um, yeah, I was a tomboy as a kid. I came out just... I was never super feminine as a kid. I hated wearing dresses. Same. So my mum... It was a tomboy. But then... Back then well, you, you caught, can't say that anymore, you're, right? You're a tomboy. Yeah. So I was a tomboy, you know, I wanted to be with the boys. I hung out with them. So I'd always been that way. And as a kid, I remember when I was, I'm going to say, I used to love to read and I read newspapers when I was six, seven. And I remember seeing the word lesbian in newspaper. And my mother always used to say, stay away from boys. Stay away from boys. We'll be a doctor. Then you will get married and then you'll have children. But up until you become a doctor, stay away from boys. There you go. <laughs> so when I was six, I remember seeing and reading the newspaper and they, the word lesbian was in this newspaper. And it hit you. And it was like, I didn't know I was a lesbian right. at the time. But I was, it was like lesbians, women who 
like women and don't like men. It was basically, that was the, the definition. So I remember thinking, oh, mum wants us to be lesbians because she's always telling us <laughs> to stay away from boys. Right. So I remember going to my older sister when I was six again, mum, obviously mummy wants us to be lesbians because she wants us to stay away from boys. And my sister, who's eight years older than me, was like, I don't think that's what it means. <laughs> so that was, you know, that was logic to me. Right. So later on, I'm lesbian. I'm out to my friends. My brothers know because one of my brothers used to hang out with a girl who was lesbian. And before I came out to my brothers, well, I didn't have to come out to my brothers because one of these, the lesbian who my brother was hanging out with kept going, I saw your sister at the club. Wow. I saw your sister. So he knew and he was like, whatever, I don't give a shit. Right. So my brothers knew. And then my mother just kept going on. When are you going to get married and have children? And then one day I just went, I'm a lesbian. Jesus. And that's basically how and I came And that was it? Up. And she was shocked. She was kind of stopped dead in her track. Because I literally just blurted it out. I didn't sit her down and go, okay, this right, is. Right, I have to I talk just went, to you. I'm not going to get married and have kids. I'm a lesbian. And she was shocked. And then she says, what, 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 what is this lesbian? What is this lesbian? What is this? And she didn't say much, but she went and complained to my bro younger brother. And was like, I don't know what is happening. This is the... But we never talked about it. Wow. We never talked about it for years. For years we didn't talk about it. Like, I bring girlfriends over and, I'd, and she'd know that that was my girlfriend. Right. She goes, so your friend. Yeah, my this, yeah. Your friend. This my roommate. Your friend. Yeah, your My friend. roommate and I had a baby, yeah. by the way. <laughs> that was my first album. Judith's roommate had a baby. She never truly... She yes. never truly acknowledged my girlfriend until Nina came along. And that's because yes. Nina, yeah, Nina Rose Fisher, Jewish, uh, played it so well. So when my, Nina first met my mum, in Nigerian culture, when you meet an elder, a Nigerian elder, you kind of bow before them. And I didn't tell Nina to do that because I never used to do it as a kid because I'm British. I never did the whole bowing thing. But when Nina met my mum, she got down on her knees I was like, hello, and treated my mother like royalty. And my mother fell in love with her fucking instantly. <laughs> All we had to do was play to her ego. I Nobody know what to knew. do when I meet your mother. Yeah. Um, except if I bow down, someone's going to have to fucking pick me up. <laughs> I can't get up. By the way, Nina, <laughs> I just love this. Professor of social justice. Yes. Parents were... Uh, Whatchamacallit, they, they protested against yep. the KKK. Yes. Total, yes. and a Jew. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Gina, you did it. Um, <laughs> you know I love my liquid IV, that I drink liquid IV pretty much every day. And I love it because it keeps me hydrated. I travel with it because it's in little packets. It tastes great. It's an amazing product. It hydrates better than water alone, three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks, eight vitamins and nutrients, non-GMO. But here's the best part. You know I've been bragging about Ben, my son Ben, who plays basketball. His team, his entire team, they love Liquid IV. I mean, they are number four in the nation. They are an amazing team. They've done better than ever this year. Dare I say it's because of the Liquid IV? I'm not going to say for sure, but I'm telling you, these athletes 
love liquid IV. They love all the flavors, strawberry, lemonade. I love the watermelon. I never give them any of my watermelon. They have sugar-free, white peach, green grape, lemon, lime. It makes you feel great. And if you need a little caffeine, the, the uh, lemon ginger is beyond, beyond. And I know they use it while they're working out. I'm pretty sure they might use it after a game that they won and went out and had, you know, a couple of drinky poos. But that being said, I love Liquid IV. They're a great sponsor. They're a great product. And I honestly couldn't live without them. And it's winter still. You need to be hydrated. Hydration is very important. So weekends are for going wild, as you all know. Have a game plan for Monday. That's what you need. I just had this conversation with Ben's girlfriend. I said, if you're going to go out and party, you need a game plan. And what's your game plan? Liquid IV. Weekends are for going wild. Have a game plan for Monday with Liquid IV. Grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Superior Hydration today using promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at liquidiv.com. You're welcome! Okay. So now you're in LA, you have, you're in a relationship. Yeah. And they're look, Chuck Lorre <laughs> is looking to do a, a Nigerian sitcom, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And he says to you, he looks up, he Googles. They Google Nigerian, Nigerian female, female comic. comedians. And thank God that fucking cunt from the that took your. Um, <laughs> oh, they saw her. They, they did? saw all of them. There, there's a few of us out there. I was one. Of the I was the first, but there was a few of us out there. But I was obviously by far the best. Of course, um, and the smartest. Yes. And he says, "We're three white guys. We need you to help us." Yes. And you're like, "No." And then your brother and Nina are like, "My what? brother and Lila, my best friend Lila." Is Lila Jewish? No, she's black, Jamaican. All right. Sorry. We have a Lila in our family, so I thought maybe. <laughs> okay. Uh, they say to you, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. Uh, did Jody Lieberman also say that? Oh, yeah. Jody and Conan, my agent, were furious yeah. with me. They yeah. didn't show the Conan's here. Hey, Conan. I love Conan Smith. Rollins <laughs> son. They were like, well, you know, but, but, they, but because they work for me, they can't go, you're a fucking idiot. They right. just went, Gina, think about it. I think you should think about it. Right. Whereas my brother and Lila can go, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you meet with them. Yeah. You're giving them pointers. Within a week, you become co-creator, mm -hmm. writer, and executive producer. I don't become executive producer straight producer? away. I become executive producer later on in the okay. seasons. But yeah, so originally they just wanted me as a consultant. Right. And uh, once I got in the room and started pitching and, and creating the stories for them, then Chuck, you know, they called my agents back and go, forget this consultant thing. Chuck just wanted her as a consultant because he didn't know whether he'd like her or not. And he, he cannot, he does not suffer fools gladly, right. Chuck Lorre. So he, they wanted me as a consultant. So if they didn't like me, they can just pay me and go, thanks for that, goodbye. But once I got in the room, Chuck was like, I like her. She's smart. She's funny. She knows what she's doing. 
we can't do this show without her. So then they called my agent back and went, forget the consultant thing. She's going to be a co-creator and producer on the show. So that's what happens. Okay. But brilliant Gina Yashere <laughs> says, oh, I think I'll write myself in the script. Absolutely. And not as the star, as the best friend. Yes. And now you become star. You are now EP, star, yes. and co-creator. Showrunner. And now a showrunner. And showrunner. Show yeah. Of I Heart. Bob Hearts. Oh, sorry. I Heart. I was thinking I Heart. And let me tell you something. When I was in college, the head of my dorm was Abishala. Oh, there you and go. And I loved her. <laughs> and, we t and, and my friend Howard and I talk about her all the time. She was the greatest. She was the head of our whole dormitory. But anyway, I mean... Are you pinching yourself every day? Absolutely. Do you fucking realize you're set for life, Gina? I'm not set for life. I'll tell you why I'm not set for life. Why? If this show had been made 10 oh, years yes, ago, true. I'd be set for life. Right, which I'd is be... why we're striking. Exactly. Um, and they're making but, a shitload of money off of this show. Yes, but... I've definitely made more money than I've ever made in my entire life. And which is great. So, uh, but here's the thing. I'm a black woman in this industry. Yeah. I don't take it for granted. I, I save my money. I mean, I'm having fun with the money. I like to eat good food and travel right, the world. And, I, and I've, I'm living a wonderful life. Me and Nina are very happy. <laughs> but I treat this as if it's the only TV show that I'm ever going and to And that get. is, uh, I say that to people all the time. Yeah. I talk about it with Rick, my manager, all the time. Like, do these people realize, you know, this is not going to be like this forever. You exactly. Know? Uh, there's so. so many ups and downs. But, you know, you deserve it. You know? and I and, do. Thank you, yeah. Judy. I do. You do deserve it. I absolutely it. do. And I, it's just, I mean, for me, uh, who would do anything to be in the position you're in now... Just knowing the struggle and that, you know, I believe representation is everything. And the fact that these little Nigerian kids are being able to go on, uh, turn on their CBS. TV and see these people on a network and then know you as a lesbian. I mean, yeah. it's it's amazing. And it's I love it. I love thank it. Thank you. Thank um, you. And I'm sure your rep representatives uh, love it as well, 10%. Oh, yes. so, we're, we're, um, all, we're all making money. <laughs> you, in 2005, realized you had lupus. Yes. And were put on all this medication and then decided to... I mean, this is just another example of you taking control of your life. Yes. Uh, you're like, well, fuck this shit. You get off gluten, meat, and I went raw vegan. sugar. You went raw vegan. So yeah, I, I got diagnosed with lupus. I was very sick for a few years where my I had very bad arthritis, almost, you know, when you get rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah, I have it really bad. And your yeah. joints start to get, I started to get that. I'd get, right. at one point, I couldn't lift my arms above my head. I had to have raised toilet seats because my knees, I couldn't sit yeah, down. It was very bad at one point and I was fast moving towards canes and then wheelchair. And they had me on all kinds of drugs, steroids, immune you know, immune suppressants, all of that kind of stuff. And I was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And I was like, this cannot be it. 
you know, I wasn't born with lupus. This must be environmental in some way. I've got to figure out a way. And um, I started researching how to treat myself without medication. And I discovered, you know, that you, the food is medicine, basically. And I started getting into the whole alkaline living, drinking water, cutting out foods that are acidic, that destroy your body from the inside. So um, I went to Thailand and did a detox for a week where you fast for seven days. Oh, fuck that shit. Yeah, and do... Co- Listen, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Fast for seven days, do coffee enemas twice a day. And at that point... What the fuck? Are you doing? <laughs> you didn't eat anything for Let seven days? Let me finish. Okay, sorry. It's, listen. The fuck? But you're full of liquids. Listen, the, the hunger yeah. the hunger is all in your mind. When you're drinking lots of liquids and you, and you, the first three days you get past that need to chew something. If you're drinking lots, they, you're lots of fluids, lots of... I lost 13 pounds in a week. Oh, I got to go do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> And I came back and I changed my diet. I went raw vegan. So I stopped eating meat because American meat is disgusting. They pump it full of chemicals. The way the animals are treated, the, 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 the hormones that are in the meat, it's so terrible. If you're going to eat meat, at least eat. I, I eat meat again now, but I eat only 100% organic. And, and, and or farm. kosher, actually. They yes. have different laws. Yeah, exactly. And the, the meat that you guys eat in America would never be allowed in England, put it that way. So anyway, I went raw vegan for about nearly two years. Cut out meat, dairy, sugar, gluten. And within, I'm going to say within a month of eating that way, I was able to throw away my raised toilet seat. I came off all my medication. My doctors were like, I you, have your raised toilet you can't. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> you don't need it. You need to do what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, I came off all the medic- medication. The doctors told me I was crazy. I was like, well, this is my body. And I've been doing it your way for years and I've been getting sicker and sicker. And every time I go back to my appointments, I see the same people dying slowly. And I was like, I'm not going to become one of those people. So I, I came off all the medication and I, my body went into remission within months. Crazy. Within months. And you've been like that since? Since 2009, I've not taken a single Isn't drug amazing? for my lupus. I got to do that because I have the worst arthritis. Um, I'm telling you, Sugar, meat, if you cut out sugar, meat, dairy. Oh, God, I can't. For a month. Just do it for a month, Judy. You'll see the difference. And then do I have to do it for the rest of my life? No, I I eat organic. I eat meat now. I eat meat, but I try and eat as much vegetables as I can with the meat. Sugar is my drug. I'm a massive sugar junkie. But when I eat too much sugar, my body tells me. I'll start waking up and I, like, I'll wake up in the morning and I can't op- open my hands and I go, oh, I've been yep. eating too much sugar. And then I quickly go back and start eating clean again and my body goes, all right, fine. So my body tells me when I'm d- eating really badly. Also, you know. FYI, Gina has been drunk twice in her life. Yes. And on a lesbian cruise. Well, yes. that figures. I would fucking get yeah. drunk and throw myself overboard. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right, so we're at the... We're ending soon, but I always ask my podcast guests two questions. And yes. by the way, Gina, thank you. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're uh, you're just an inspiration, and you're a class act. And I've I've all, you know I love hanging with you at the cellar, and I just love thank you. I just love strong women, and I love your mother. Um, <laughs> okay, so here's the two questions I ask: What do you do for your mental health? We're a pro mental health podcast. Um, I meant I meditate now. I meditate. Uh, yeah, same. I, I discovered what kind? transcendental meditation. I want to do that, but the fucking guy. 
guy who's the head of it, he's like, oh, I'll meet with you and I'll give you a um, a mantra. And it, then... It, they do it, courses. I paid for the course and went and did the course. Where? In New York? I did it in New York, yeah. They do courses Yeah, everywhere. but it's like thousands of dollars to get a fucking mantra. Well, you pay what you could afford. At the time, I could afford it, so I only paid $500. But they should give you a goddamn mantra. Did you li- do you like it? I love it. Because I don't like meditation when they're talking to you. I don't want anybody going, imagine walking right, right. through. Focus I don't, on your shut breath. the fuck up, stop talking to me. Yeah. So that, I don't like those guided, okay, in a field. Do, when did you start doing that? In 20, 2018. And oh, I'm, and then you got your show. Yeah, listen, I, it, Rick, I have it. I'm I know what you, I'm doing. Okay, I, I just sit there and like, and I and I'm not good at meditation. My brain, my brain is like this all the time. Yeah, same. So I couldn't meditate for years because I was like, you're supposed to sit and be in. Yeah, the, and I'll sit there. Like I can meditate, and the whole meditation could be about the last episode of Game of Thrones. It right. doesn't matter. Just let your brain go where it goes, and right. sometimes you just let it go. And sometimes I'm, I'm, my brain will go, oh, I'm meditating. This is good. Oh, really? This is fantastic. Right. And I'll just start having a conversation with myself. Yeah. But I've learned to just let my brain do what it does. And even when it's talking to itself, there's a level of relaxation. Right. And I've had good inspiration for jokes, for show ideas right. come to me while I'm meditating. So I do that. I love that. I do that as often as I can, at least once a day. Um, so I meditate I like to eat good food. I love to travel. Uh, right. I live somewhere quiet and peaceful now. Right. So I'm in LA, but I'm in Altadena, which is outside of LA. So in the morning, it's just bird song. Yeah, At we night, see on crickets. Instagram. Okay, annoying. <laughs> um, peace. That's that, that's how I have my peace. Uh, the podcast, of course, is called Kill Me Now because I. I don't know if you know, get annoyed at everything. (laughs) No, really? Yeah, and I try to hide it. (laughs) Uh, So I love to know what pisses you off more than, and it can be any little thing, what makes you fucking so mad you can't deal with it? Oh, so many things. (laughs) So many things. I do not like passive-aggressive people. I do not like people that perseverate over things for too long. Like, um, the re- reason why me and Nina get on so long is if some, yeah, because she, if something pisses her off, she says it immediately and we have it out and it's great. There's no, I don't, I used to have girlfriends that would, I'd say, oh, some, God, yeah. I'd say some, a flippant comment that's throwaway and they'd hold on to it for weeks and then, right. and then they'd go, you know, there was something that you said in the oh, winter God, of 2017 know, yes. that really hurt my, and I'm like, bitch, why do you say yeah, it then? I know. And they hold on. And, yeah. and they're like such so cunty oh. and you're like what's wrong and it's like three weeks ago you yeah. said it I'm like I, oh my I god I cannot I cannot but I cannot but I'm not just say it in the moment we'll right. have it out and we move Get on it over like with. me and Nina will be upset with each other about something and we'll be like ah! and then ten minutes later we're like what do you want for lunch do you want and right. we just it's over and I love that that we don't hold on to yeah. stuff Elisa likes to draw it out yeah none of and that. yeah no nope and now so, she's gonna yell at me, but she's the greatest. I yeah. love her so much. So yeah, that, okay. That uh, I hate. Um, <laughs> I can't thank you enough. Oh, you thank are you. Thank you. Thank the you, greatest. Greatest. Thank you all for coming. Thanks for coming. Have fun at the festival. Yay! Thank you so much for listening to part two of my interview with Jeannie Yashere at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. 
this past month in Montreal. Uh, Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and everything else, as you know, done by Brittany Joe Sowards. Richmond. What do I have to tell you? Okay. Follow me on... I'm not... I am... Things are going on Twitter, but I'm not really checking my Twitter because I hate it. I hate that fucking X. It, I liked the bird. It was friendly. The tweet. I fucking hate it. I hate Elon Musk. I fucking hate that whole platform. Form. So I'm Instagramming it most of the time, and I have to get into threads. But I, you know what? Part of me is just like, I can't do this anymore. But I do enjoy the Instagram. Again, if you're going to be on Cape Cod... Please come see me at the Post Office Cafe and Cabaret in Provincetown, Massachusetts. Okay? Also upcoming, I have... uh, uh, Let me tell you right now. I have... uh, 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 Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. uh, 22nd and 23rd of September. Uh, I'm going to Sweden for a book fair. You know, I have other gigs. I'm, oh, it's Sunshine, Sunshine Cathedral in Florida on the 21st of October. So I will be doing gigs, um, but I'm probably going to try to get my knee replaced at some point. Also, I want you to know that I am probably going to be featured in the New York Times within the next couple of weeks. They did a... Um, piece on how she spends her Sundays, which is in the Metro section, but you can get it online. And they followed us around. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun article. So um, I don't even want to say that because I don't know if it's going to happen. I thought it was going to come out this week and it didn't come out. And my whole life is always like, oh, I'm doing this. That's why I never tell anyone anything I'm doing. Because 90% of the time, it doesn't happen the way it's supposed to happen. So you can plan all you want, but that's just, to me, a plan is just a hope and a dream. Okay? So, uh, what else? Um, I hope everyone's enjoying their summer. I can't believe it's almost over. I fucking love summer, and I can't believe it's almost over. And I don't want it to be over, but I do think September's going to be warm. You know, climate change. So... Anyway, that's all I have to say. Um, I love you all for listening. I love people who tell me at my shows that they listen to my podcast. I love all the notes you send me. I love you. I really do. I, I think you're the greatest. And I can't believe I've been doing this podcast for so long. But look, maybe I'm addicted. Okay? Thank you, everyone, for your love and support. I love you back, as I just said. And... um All right, I'm going to go night-night because I'm recording this before I go to sleep. And I hope I better get a good sleep score. That's all I have to say. So I hope you all get good sleep scores this week and that you have a wonderful week. And as we always say, so long.